CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. And brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com for more information. Our thanks to them for their support of the show and of the site. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State in the west end of Richmond where it is Wednesday, September the 4th. Virginia finally going to open its 2019 season at home um, and with some enhancements, which we will discuss, I'm sure, in a little while. Um, Cavaliers coming off of a solid 30-14 to 14 win in Pittsburgh. Um, kind of got that monkey off their backs, and now they head home for William Mary on a Friday night, which is super weird, but should afford uh, some of us plenty of time to watch actual football on Saturday. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? Doing great. I really have nothing positive to say. We're 1-0, leading the Coastal Division. Maybe in the first time in the podcast history, I didn't check it out. Who Days on the board at Who Days on Twitter. And up in uh, Reston, staff writer Justin Ferber, also on this year' program. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, as our friends in Pittsburgh would say, how you doing down there? Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, go down for Manny's, get a sandwich. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty familiar <laughs> with the accent. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, also, well, I guess I'll save that. I'm going to save that a little bit uh, for later when we're going to talk about William Murray. All right, so Virginia goes, beats Pitt. We all did headlines. Um, I do not recollect what the headlines were. And Me neither. I, and I'm just now realizing <laughs> that we did headlines, and I probably should have gone back and listened to what they were. I know I said something about Tyler Papa running. So I'm gonna take at least a partial. Yeah, it was it, it was just all can- all, all the headlines were canceled because they were replaced with Hugh Freeze code from a hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> there were there weren't any room for any of the headlines that we there, said. That was a thing that happened. <laughs> it actually happened. Um, it was like the it was one of those things where like the reality is stranger than fiction. Like it was like the pictures of it seemed not real. Like you couldn't have shown that to me a year ago. I would have been yeah. like, that, that's not real. When, like, there's no when way that man has never even done that. Yeah. I when I saw the mashup <laughs> with, um, with homeboy, uh, what's his name from Syracuse? Um, Oh God. Dino Babers. Dino Babers. Dino's pointing up and then like Holmes is like Holmes is like in the window yeah, and well, I was like, that's like, fake. Did, what is that? How did he decide like how did he decide how to handle that? Like is he just like, how am I supposed to do I shake hands with the assistant? And then he just saw him up there and was like I guess I'll just point up there and like but you know what's really here. Okay, can I just say okay, look, I'm not trying to <laughs> listen, all right, all right, I need to back up a step. I'm not trying to say anything negative about those folks who uh, have whatever happened to I don't know what happened to him or what his situ you know his medical situation Yeah, not, like a staff infection. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to like anybody who's been in the hockey, I'm not trying to talk smack. Okay. But you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of all those like, is it Iowa where they have the children's hospital that's nearby and the people turn and yes. oh, okay. there's a there's a video of that now. There's right. a video it, like that. Yeah, there's like a cut up where the people at Iowa are waving and then it cuts to Hugh Freeze waving back. It's, okay, I'll send it, we'll send it to you after the okay. show. It's all right. When I saw when I saw Dino pointing, that's the first thing that came to mind, and I was like, God, man, like why why do they have to sully such an awesome thing in Iowa? Anyway, um, okay. What were what was? Do you guys vaguely remember what your headlines were? And don't email us if you're listening uh, to this. Don't go back was, and, and email me. I don't. I think, we don't need that. I think mine was that UVA was going to win on like a defensive stop or something like that. Okay, Dave, you remember vaguely? I have no clue. Okay. No clue. I'm pretty sure I had something about Tyler Papa running the ball. So I'm gonna I'm counting that as a win for Brad. I think I said special teams. So hashtag Brad. I think was I talked right. about special teams. Um, you. I think you did. You're right. Yeah. I I, I gotta say the game went 
somewhat like I was expecting, but not in the order. I thought Virginia would would play better earlier and maybe have some issues late because I thought Pitt might need some time to sort of get itself together. Um, Dave, as you watch that thing and then you've had some some time to um, to let it digest and, and such, mm-hmm. um, what's your just give me a couple takeaways. What are, what are some of your your thoughts about that game specifically, but also the team as as currently constructed now that we've seen them actually play a game? I mean, big picture, it's probably the biggest road win. You know, definitely the biggest conference road win for Bronco. Um, Boise State would probably be the other one you could argue, um, and against a team he hasn't had success with. So, you know, I think big picture, it's a great win regardless of how it happened. Um, but kind of shrinking down to the game, like I thought Virginia played well and responded in some situations that previous Virginia teams would have kind of gotten antsy and nervous and started making mistakes, and they never did. They stayed steady. Even after, you know, Virginia got out to a 10 nothing lead, Pitt had that touchdown drive um, to cut it to 10-7, and then Virginia came right back down the field and marched and ended up stalling out on the 19, had to kick a field goal. But that was a good response. Um, and honestly, that would have been a touchdown if the guy hadn't interfered with Joe Reed on the, on the long pass. So that's all encouraging. Um, the other big take home point for me was like why did Pitt abandon the run in my opinion <laughs> like I still thought they were running the ball well and they just decided to try to turn Kenny Pickett into I guess Daniel Jones the best quarterback we've ever seen um, so I was a little confused why Pitt abandoned the run so quickly in the second half I was thankful they did um, but I mean I thought Virginia did a much better job against the run albeit you know except for those two drives where they kind of caught him in the in the sub package and ran tempo on them. But overall it's a road run against a, a, a team that has been, I thought Virginia maybe wasn't the more physical team, but their physicalness was close and put that with clean play and they got the win. And so that's a big step for this program. What about you, Verber? What were some of your, your general takeaways? Yeah. Dave kind of hit it at the end, but just the clean play, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't really hit me until I was writing the take two after the game was over. But, you know, they didn't turn the ball over. Didn't even really come particularly close to doing it. I mean, I don't remember any throws that Bryce kind of had almost intercepted. Um, there were certainly a couple like 50-50s, but the offensive player was in a position to win those. I mean, Hasis got stripped out of bounds at the end of a third down conversion attempt. But that one, you know, was going out of bounds. And the other fumble that they recorded was not even really a fumble. It was Talapapa trying to stretch the ball out when he was on the ground. But, yeah, I mean, they played clean. Special teams was clean. No issues there. I mean, Delaney missed a field goal, but he attempted four and made three. So that's not terrible. Um, you know, uh, you forgive a miss here and there. Uh, the punting was good. Uh, no issues on kick return. No issues on punt return. They didn't allow uh, Pitt's special teams to get going. Uh, also, three penalties in the entire game. Uh, and that's something that we've talked about a little bit in the past, but that's something that really plagued them uh, during the Mike London years, really. Um, you know, they would rack up the penalties, especially early on in, in you know, like new – if they were breaking in a new offensive coordinator, or I think uh, London's first year, especially like the turn of the um, penalties and the yardage was a lot and it cost them. And in this game, the only three penalties were Zane Zandier's pass interference, Zane Zandier's late hit and uh, Ryan Swoboda not being on the line on that illegal formation or whatever. Uh, so three for 35 yards. And I think Pitt, Pitt didn't have a ton, but they had more than that for sure. So 
Um, when you can go up there and play sound and play clean and, and assignment smart, which is not what we saw them do last year. It seemed like they kind of got a little too antsy for that game and had actually, I think, 55 penalty yards in the first quarter last year against Pitt. So being able to come out and just like block out all the noise in week one on the road and be able to you know go out and execute, um, probably not at the highest level they could execute, but I mean they didn't they didn't put themselves in a bad spot with turnovers. So whenever you can do that, you give yourself a chance. Yeah, I agree with that. I I, I was going to point to the 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 penalties as well. Like last year, we talked about it last week, right? That that Pitt really got UVA out of its element. I mean, dudes were like super hype and playing like way too. Um, you know, not just aggressive, but sort of almost wild. Like that was the one game of the season where you're just like, they were not like whatever, the whatever extracurricular pushing and shoving trash talking, whatever happened before kickoff. It, I thought it affected them to see them, you know, only have three penalties in this game. I thought was important, but I also think too, like now granted what Virginia rushed for compared to what Pitt rushed for a year ago, it's not like they flopped it. You know, they, you know, it wasn't apples to apples, but to outrush them 129 to, to 78, to hold them to 2.6 yards per carry. And then I thought time of possession as well. Um, any, any game where Virginia is you know, at 34, 16, the other team's at 25, if you're going to have nine, 10 minutes extra with the ball, that's typically going to be good things for, for UVA considering the style that they play, especially in a game considering what Pitt does. And, I mean, to your point, I forget if it was both of you or, or, or just one of you guys, but the idea that, like, Virginia maybe not has was not the, the the more physical team, but it was close. I think that was Dave. I actually thought in that second half, Virginia really brought the wood. I thought they were. I, I mean, that poor Pickett kid, man. I thought they were gonna have to like scrape him up. Um, and I understand like a lot of this is look they're in the nickel, um, and and it, look if you're not gonna throw it Bryce's side, you might as well blitz him. But I thought what they were bringing off the edge and and how they were also bringing stuff in the middle. For them to pitch a shutout in the second half without a team captain, uh, your most experienced linebacker, I dude, that's that's impressive. And I don't care who you're doing it against, uh, especially if it's on the road against an ACC team. So, I mean, I think there's a lot to like. I, 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 actually, I thought Bronco's uh, response to that question was was pretty pitch perfect. There's a lot to like. You're happy for the win, but there's also so much that they can improve on. Um, the the offense was pretty anemic, and I want to I want to talk about a little bit about that. I, that that Virginia actually got out past in this game 185-181 um so definitely surprises me but it, given the way the game unfolded not really um I thought without somebody in that H-back spot they were very tentative it looked like to me there wasn't a lot that they were were doing with any regularity Pitt was clearly trying to take Bryce out of the game Dave what was your I don't know your if you could grade the offense how would you grade them I mean I'd probably give them a B B plus maybe um I thought Bryce was very tentative early in the game. I know he, we, we know he missed some time with with a little kneading, um, you know, late in camp, and it kind of looked like it. You know, not so much that he was just rusty on the reads because I thought he was. I do think he looked more comfortable in the pocket than he did at points certainly early last year. Uh, he kind of looked like end of the season Bryce as far as his decisions and his, his willingness to stay in the pocket and and read the, you know, kind of read what his receivers are doing, but he didn't have that explosiveness the first couple of runs. It, I want to say it was what, like late second quarter, or was that even second half when he had that, when he had that big yeah, third, that was a third quarter, third quarter. Yeah. yeah so that those was are the basically the two, yeah, those are like the two biggest plays of the game. He had Jan on that, like, well, that ball that was like over his head in traffic and he caught it on like third and eight. And then the next third and 10, he had that yeah. big. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that, that was the first time he looked like, you know, he, he's always straight line fast, but that was the first play he kind of had wiggle. Um, I thought, you know, the offensive line, look, we've talked about it before, and I know I've mentioned it before. Like, the, the concept of having your five best offensive linemen, it, it's a good concept, but when you're switching them, communication is so, so important on the offensive line. Um, there was a sack, I think it might have been on the first possession to end that drive. Um, Soboda and Nelson were on the left side, and Pitt ran a stunt, and you know Nelson kind of blocked the blocked the tackle and didn't disengage. So the end kind of studded around and got in for the sack. Um, and, and some of that, like you know, I don't know if they didn't communicate for the play, they didn't communicate after the play. But when you're switching the guy next to you, that kind of stuff happens. Um, so I mean, I'd li- I'd personally like them to figure out which five they like it and stick with them for a while, and let them get to be a cohesive unit and i'm hoping we see that over the next few weeks because i think that's the next evolution uh, i think we knew what bryce perkins is as a passer and without alameda and without billy and and Tavares for that game i thought overall he did a really good job of spreading the ball around i thought maybe we didn't run it enough um so it was first game right yeah, it should have been <laughs> it's a tough first game so i'm going to give him a little bit of slack um but I, I do like where they started and if they can improve on what they did then they can be a really good team this year what do you about? What about you, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you read my take too, uh, I gave him a grade. Um, <laughs> well, I wasn't necessarily nah. meaning the grade per se, but yeah, just I in got general. You. I gave him a B as well. Uh, Dave kind of hit on some of the things. The offensive line, I thought, had a shaky second quarter, particularly. That's when Bryce was kind of under fire a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, they picked it up in the second half. Not just that long run, but also just there were a few little runs here and there where Bryce was able to kind of get loose. Where in the first half, it didn't really seem like that was an option. Um, so it was good to see them kind of evolve. Uh, obviously, I hit on it in the in the take two piece, but uh, one of the keys I thought for this game and for this season is going to be conversions in the red zone and finding ways to punch it in instead of settling for three. Um, I thought that they did okay with that. Obviously, they had five red zone trips, three touchdowns, two field goals. Um that's not terrible. Last year they averaged, I think it was like 51% touchdown conversion rate in the red zone. Um, and I believe like 66% or two thirds is about national average. So, I mean, they can do better, uh, I think. But Pitt's also going to be probably, I don't know if they're going to be the best defense UVA is going to play. I'd say probably not. But they're not going to be one of the worst, I don't think. They're, they're always well coached there. They, they usually get pressure. They, they have good DBs. Um, I really enjoyed the, the the play to Dubois because for the touchdown, partially because last year we talked a lot about how it didn't seem like in the red zone. I charted all the red zone throws. Almost all of them were fades or, you know, one-on-one balls in the corner uh, to the outside, basically outside the hashes. And, you know, with guys like Hasis or Joe Reed or, or even Jana, who we saw made a couple plays across the middle of the field, I think that, you know, if you attack the middle of the field, everything just opens up a little bit more. Uh, so it's good to see them do that. Uh, so I think they need to, you know, maybe hone some things in in the red zone and, you know, figure out how to make plays there. I, I still think that uh, at wide receiver, I think it was good encouraging to see a lot of guys get involved, but I still think you're going to need one guy that becomes kind of a de facto uh, lead receiver. And I think Hasis kind of – in a way, is that guy, but um, I think his he's going to do a lot of damage in the red zone. I think you need somebody else to, to kind of move chains and, and keep things going because he's going to draw a lot of attention. 
Joe Reed had seven catches, but a lot of those were screens or just stuff right around the line of scrimmage. So it was encouraging to see him get a couple of deep shots. And uh, UVA didn't throw the ball deep very much last year. Uh, we looked at the PFF numbers in the offseason, and, and they didn't throw the ball deep compared to other teams very much. But um, in this game, I forget how many deep shots they took. Uh, they only converted one, and it was the 33-yard pass to Chapman, but a few others drew pass interference penalties. Uh, so it was good to see them kind of attack the uh, vertically down the field. Uh, but overall, I'd say a, a decent start. I mean, a 30 points against Pitt is something that they've not done in a long time. So, I mean, that's encouraging. And, you know, I, I can't really fault them for the way they played. They, like Brad said, they controlled the clock. But I still think there's room to grow. And I think Wayne Talapapa, you know, that was a nice way for him to start his career off. But I, I think we need to probably see more from, from the running backs because we didn't see a ton from them in this one. Right. Two things. One, I, I said this uh, on um, WINA tonight, but it, for Virginia to be in a game where the Cavaliers went in as, a, as basically the team with it, with have it, that had its stuff together better, right? Um, and then to go on the road and basically just be exactly who we thought they were going to be, um, how many times have you had expectations for, for Virginia football? Or, I mean, think about how many times on this podcast we've had preseason prediction shows, and then the season starts and it, it's all gone instantly, right? Everything you saw Saturday night, including the way that they responded once um, Jordan Mack was out, right? Um, everything you saw was basically exactly what you would expect, right? They, their, their identity didn't change. They didn't get rattled. They went in, they, they, had a lead that quickly evaporated. Pitt goes in up at the half. They come out in the second half. They score. Now, granted, it was a touchdown. I mean, a, a field goal, but they score. They get the ball back. They score. I just think that there's something to be said for handling your your business, right? Doing doing stuff you're supposed to, not making mistakes, not throwing interceptions, not fumbling the ball, creating turnovers. Um, you know, they were five for five in the red zone to to Ferber's point. I just think that um, you can win a lot in college football if you're just if you just you basically wait for the other team to make mistakes and you just kind of do what you're supposed to do. It's not a, not a terrible thing. The second thing I want to talk about is Wayne Tyler Papa. I, I think it's always interesting to me. If you listen to Bronco, usually the things Bronco says, I, I remember his first year, he would come into the press conference on Monday and he would basically talk about a thing that was a problem. And by the next game, that thing was fixed, right? Usually when he speaks, there's, there's some connection to act, action to it. And he's he talked both in post game Saturday night in, in in Pittsburgh and Monday in Charlottesville about how he, Wayne Talapapa really impressed me. Wayne Talapapa really impressed me. He did you know guy just goes forward. He gets I think you're going to see him get more carries um, because I think Bronco is the kind of coach who wouldn't say that if he didn't believe it. And if he believes that he's going to make it happen, and I think that's a good thing um, because look he I, I know that he got a couple runs at the end of the half um, that maybe Pitt was in a prevent so like. You maybe you take him with a little bit of a grain of salt, but he ran ten times for sixty-six yards. If you're averaging six point six, I don't care who you're playing against. That's good. I mean, the dude, you know, he's going to pick up four, four and a half yards uh, most of the time, and that's a that's a really good thing because the the less the less load that Bryce carries, the better Virginia's offense will be. And and I think too much of that first half was we we got to let Bryce go out there and do some stuff. And then I think in that second half they figured out, okay, maybe we didn't, we don't need to do that. I, I also want to point out that touchdown pass to um, Dubois, if you, that was a perfect play call for the blitz that was coming. Um, 
And I'm not sure if they if they ran that set because they knew Pitt would run that blitz. I'm not sure if it was a check at the line, but it was perfect. And I thought, um, you know, we, we bag on an eye a lot for, um, yeah. for offense and stuff. And, I mean, look, we can't know, right, if, you know, who, who does what. But, you know, i got to credit them for, for a, the, the right call at the right time. And the yeah, pass to Sharp was good, too. Yeah, that's a good that point. Was yeah. Really. I feel like we've seen that play a few times. Um and even even then, like I was surprised when it happened. Like, but um, I think I'm going to guess that Dubois was running an option route there based on what he saw. Um, but both of them, regardless, it was a beautiful route combination. Um, I will say, like Telepop, I thought he played well. I'm a little surprised that all the praise was heaped on him because I, I do feel like some of the runs were kind of I don't want to say garbage time runs, but garbage time. <laughs> the time touchdown. Runs. If you go back and look at the touchdown, Pitt's yeah. tackling is a joke. Yeah, yeah like they're, they're, tackle. they weren't even trying to tackle him. No, but I, I do like what I saw from Tyler Papa. I'm just not like I'm a little surprised by all the, you, you know, you, you mentioned Bronco, and that's the first thought I had. Like Bronco didn't talk about guys that, <laughs> that he's not really impressed with, so I was a little surprised with it. Right now, I, I do think there were more opportunities for Wayne in the first half. Um, you know, last year we kind of heard as the season went on that. Yeah, they weren't, you know, that Brennan was the better RP, you know, the better option quarterback. And, and Bryce, a lot of those option looks were designed quarterback runs. It, it's, it seemed like there were some more option stuff for Bryce in the first half, and he chose to, kept it, chose to keep it. There was one run he had for a first down where he basically followed Wayne. Um, but it looks like Wayne could have got the first down too. So I, I would expect to see more designed handoffs that look like option. Um, I still think my favorite play of the my two favorite play of the game is Ferrari stole it with the touchdown, the the Bois touchdown. That route combination was great, but I think it was the first drive that RPO to Tanner Cowley, like that was a no no yes moment for me because yeah he he, he really fired that, that one in there yeah he hummed <laughs> yeah. it yeah mine was the one where he checks he sees something he checks it with I think is it Chapman or Dubois on the left on the on the pit sideline. And then I think maybe it meant Dewey, and they and he he comes underneath it, he catches it, and then he gives him the okie doke. Um, that was one of oh, two. That was Dubois, yeah. yeah, that was yeah. one of two. I thought really nice checks. The other one was the Joe Reed, um, yeah. one that got pass interference. Um, and the checks, I mean, check the checks itself. That's kind of. I mean, I don't think we saw a lot of that no, last year. That's what I was gonna say. It was weird, kind of watching him do stuff at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is this is different. Yeah. I also want to. Real- and I feel bad like grading the guy so hard because literally, I mean, it's the first game. I know Pitt's first game too, but. I mean, considering they hadn't played anyone other than, you know, against each other, um, I, I thought the game plan was great. I, I thought, you know, you didn't have OZ there, who, who in times of struggle became a safety blanket for Bryce, and I, I felt the team, like, kind of made a, found a way to make it happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even with the offensive line, like, rotating constantly in front of them, they did enough, and they responded in, in big moments, and, here we are, what, 20 minutes in the podcast. We haven't talked about the defense, who I thought was also yeah. okay, I, ta- I talked about the defense, um, but that's okay. Yeah. But, I mean, um, you have to also remember, like, he did not only know Z, no, no Tavares Kelly or Billy Kemp, who played the yeah. same position, and nobody else really played that position. Yeah. They basically just scrapped that entire part of the offense, which yeah. is pretty crazy to think about, and they were still able to find enough plays to, to move the chains. Yeah, because yeah, we always had, had that sweep action. Which yeah, there's never anybody. There was, there was nobody really running in motion in this yeah, game at wide receiver. Maybe Jana once or twice, but really, I mean, and that opens up route combinations as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Like on, that you flood one side of the right. field and you can run three different routes or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of the defense, um, I, I know we, we, we had a conversation offline about you know the pro football focus grades and such, but 
Can we just talk about the fact that Virginia had 11 dudes with a 70 grade or higher in tackling in this game? This has to be one of the best Virginia teams in terms of tackling, right? Like, these dudes seem pretty pretty good at it. And I don't know if that's Bronco or if it's the kids themselves or what, but, I mean, to have four dudes in the 80s in an ACC game on the road, I mean, I think that's that's pretty solid. And Nick Grant ahead of him at, at, at all um, I, I thought was impressive. Um, overall, I thought for the defense to lose Mac and then have <laughs> – have Zane out there with 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 the club, which is not really a club because it's his thumb is 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 covered, but his other fingers are free. But I mean, what are you supposed to grab onto when you don't have your thumb? It's the Fonzie. He's yeah. got the Fonzie, man. But it's like, <laughs> um, and I'm I'm realizing he had that one penalty that was borderline. Um, but I mean, targeting almost yeah. hit the over for targeting. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> over zero point five. The, the some of the stuff they were calling, like they had Snyder and Zandier going through the same gap at the same time. And a lot of these times, like, it were not like one after the other. There was this one play, and I think it might have been what ended up being the Joey Blunt sack. Um, and then for Matt Gam to have as good a game as he had, I mean, I didn't even expect Matt Gam to play more the most snaps of the of the two. I mean, Noah Taylor plays 28, Matt Gam plays 46. Um, for, for Matt Gam to have a 78.4 a grade overall. Uh, and then, you know, Bronco talked about it after the game that he played that one, the one he got to pick on. It's the first time in four years somebody's actually executed that coverage correctly, and it led to an interception. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it's funny to me how in for both offense and defense, like this was not a Bryce Perkins, Bryce Hall lead the way kind of thing. I mean, you look at the – you know, Joey Blunt is a kid we, we know is pretty good, right? But Matt Gam, Aaron Famui – are, are your better graded players now again i know pro football focus is not the end all be all but i just thought that for talapop on offense uh blunt gam found movie on defense i just thought that was really interesting that it was a it was some of the younger guys guys we don't expect so much from um but i also think too at least on defense look that 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 defensive front rotation is working for them because those dudes were fresh in that for, fourth quarter um, in a way, I mean, you look at the snap numbers, you know, Eli Hamback at 35, Mandy Lonzo at 34, uh, Richard Burney at 38. Um, that, that's, that's air found movie at 35. Like that's really nice, um, for them to, to be fresh later in the game. I think that's going to be interesting to watch going forward. How was like, you know, I know, look, the defense, they've done a great job of recruiting and developing players. Um, and, and that's evident, you know, just the players you just mentioned are, you know, they weren't some of those guys weren't highly recruited, right? And and they're they're playing amazing in this defense. But when you look, if you go back and just watch the defensive side of the ball, I'm not sure Broncos ever called in a single game has ever called as many different blitz combinations as he did in that game. He was and he that, was emptying the he was emptying yeah. the clip, wasn't he? Well, I think yeah. part of it was that they weren't getting home in the first half, and yeah, like was, yeah. and Pickett kind of bailed him out a couple times because he missed some throws, but it was like. They'd either rush a guy and he wouldn't get there and the line wasn't getting in the backfield, so he would either get out of there or whatever. And then in the second half, like he said, he just he went all out. Yeah, and you know, Pitt was doing now Virginia didn't play three three defensive linemen very often after the first quarter. You know, there were some sometimes in the second, you know, second half they did it, but for the most part they stayed in that two man two man defensive line look. Um and Pitt was doing a really good job of blocking Snowden, so they had to get pressure from somewhere. But, um, you know, uh, one play they got burned on, that A.J. Davis kind of flare, flare wheel route. You know, it's a quick reel. I wouldn't call it a wheel. He hadn't even started wheeling yet. Um, 
on that play in the first half, Fomui was the only defensive lineman, and they had Matt, Ga- Matt Gam, um, Noah Taylor, Elliot Brown. Uh, who else was on the play? Jordan Mack, and there's one other linebacker. So those five linebackers on the field at the same time. Every one of them blitzed. Brown kind of got caught up in the wash and couldn't didn't see the running back and couldn't get to him fast enough. But in the second half, they were running stuff just as exotic. Um, you know, I guess they determined you know the, the a gaps were where to bring the pressure, and you figure they were bringing that with Snyder and and, and Zandier, and then when they didn't bring it, it you know. Pittsburgh was expecting it, and Blunt and Nelson and anyone coming from the edge, Bryce Hall, all the DBs were were getting home. Um, and some of that has to do with the fact that even when they're in that two-man down, two-down lineman look now, the guys can demand a double team um, because they've got some studs up there. And I mean, it, it was exciting to watch. Like As a guy who, who loves a 3-4, <laughs> always have, because I, I kind of like Delgro. Um, that defense is dynamic. I'm, it, the linebackers, they might be a little undersized, especially when Max out. Um, but, man, they're just so smart and they make up for it. Um, and to do that at Pitt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on to uh, to William & Mary, the uh, home opener on Friday night. UVA going to wear white, orange, and white, breaking news, that as breaking to us, but not necessarily. You broke it before I could break it. I know. There you go. Uh, before we could do that, let me uh, hear from a, a sponsor for the evening. Caps Corner Podcast brought to you tonight by the folks at Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Second String is all about offering you new and quality used sports equipment. So if you have uh, baseball, softball, football, soccer, whatever it is, the kind of gear that you need, Second String has it. Uh, newest bats and gloves, gear from DeMarini, Louisville Slugger, Easton, Rawlins, Wilson, Evo Shield. They're all on the shelves today and ready to go with you to the field. Uh, if you got anything that you from last season you don't need anymore, Maybe you got something laying around nobody's going to use uh, any, again. Uh, you bring it to, to Second String, and they'll give you a credit for your next purchase. You can check out their um, website. It's secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two, or you can check them out in person uh, just outside Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway. Our thanks to Second String Sports for their support of this show and all of CapsCorner.com. All right, so William & Mary, Mike Lennon coming back to town. Hashtag Mike Lennon was a cop. Um, I... I I don't want to. I don't want to belabor this because it. It. I don't think that there's a whole lot. <laughs> there's to no talk need about with the. Not well. Not just with. <laughs> I wasn't actually to mean it, but like that. But like I don't mean just the the London thing, right? I mean like in general, right? Like William Marion is a team. I at least want to talk about it like this. Let me rephrase. There is no greater motivator in sports than nobody believes in us. At least in my opinion. I mean, I'm somebody who believes in momentum. So what do I know? But. Um, I, I do think that the, the us against the world is a huge motivator. And Mike London, for well, all of his faults as a coach, um, he's a good dude who I, you know, I've always, I've said before, I'll say again, was always very gracious to me when I, when I covered him. Um, he's a, he's a motivator. That's what he does, right? He's a, that's what he does. Like that is his thing. Now, not all of them have been, you know, things we've seen. Maybe we shouldn't have seen, um, you know, cards he sent or little blurbs that were on, you know, Sports center or what have you, but anyway, the, my point is is that you you combine nobody believes in us, the world is against us, um, we're all we got. With hey, let's go do this for coach, like that's there, there's something that. So I think that if you're Virginia, you have to expect that Wayne Mary because this is the the kind of game it is because the line is what it is because the expectations are what they are, they're going to go for broke. 
and you're you're not going to win because you are just better. You're going to have to break them. Um, not unlike in some ways maybe what Liberty did last year. I thought Liberty came to Charlottesville with a game plan, man. Um, I expect this one to be much more lopsided, but in general, this is one of those few games where I think the stuff around the game might be a little bit more interesting than the than the X's and O's part of the game. Um, Dave, you were just laughing a second ago. What do you? What do you? Where? Where? You, where's your head on this? <laughs> Nobody yeah, believes in us. Did. Nobody. Who, what's yeah. your why? Who do you play? For? Who yeah. do you play for? <laughs> I'm sorry. I it's an interesting dynamic because um, you're right. I mean, London at times was able to motivate, right? But sometimes I think he, he, he crossed the line and got guys to play outside their, you know, outside of what was productive for them. Yeah. Nobody um, believed in UVA for six years, and we saw how that turned out. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's an interesting dynamic because I also think, you know, if you think about it, you know, think about it as a man and being Mike London, like, you know, he's prideful. Like, he, he, he you know, he didn't want to lose the Virginia job and to have the next coach come in and basically say, this place I'm inheriting is a crap pile, which is you know, <laughs> a backhanded compliment, you know, a backhanded smack to, to the guy who was there before you. Um, yeah, he, you guarantee he's telling that team that now he's got some Virginia guys there, so the dynamic's going to be weird. Uh, all that said, like it, it's going to be settled on the field, so I think as long as Virginia comes out and tries not to put the game away early, like not trying to make big play after big play, just do what you do. You know, use your use your size advantage, um, use your skill advantage, and, and kind of dictate the the physicalness, right? Like it's it's not a let's hit an eighty yard touchdown on the first play over the top kind of thing it's come down you know punch them in the mouth run the ball down their throat and let them know who you are as long as they do that i think it's no problem um but you know it, i could see it like mid first quarter like no one scored and everyone's nervous just but i think virginia handles it pretty pretty easily um i will say though that william mary offense is gonna i don't know if they'll score but they're gonna make some plays um it, it's the more i got into it and their offensive coordinator will call some fun stuff. So it'll at least be a fun game to watch. Um, yeah. I still don't consider it a home opener. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I had uh, I have every expectation that at some point, whether online or off, we're going to get a rant about the parking and tailgating and such and such. Um, Ferber, before, before you sound off on this, I, I do want to add that one thing about that that is interesting to me about this is that you do have several guys who played for, or at least were recruited by Mike London, and you know Eli was there, Richard Burney, Chris Sharp, uh, Tanner Cowley, and I'm not saying that that's a, um, you know, I mean, it's not like those guys are going to be conflicted, you know, but it is an interesting angle. My question though is, um, how do I phrase this? If the thing gets out of hand, how do you call? Like, what do you do? Right, like. I think if you if you saw the ESPN S and P um, forecast or what have you, forty seven nothing with a forty six point nine projected uh, spread difference or score difference or whatever differential whatever it's called, like that's kind of crazy. With a hundred, they have a hundred percent. We're we're gonna get to picks in a second. They had it as a hundred percent win probability for UVA. I, I just I guess. I look at it from the standpoint of William Mary wants to come in and shock the world. They're going to be aggressive. So you're going to have to get them off the field on fourth down. A lot of times I bet you're going to have to make them, you know, they're going to play multiple quarterbacks. They're going to pull some, you know, trick stuff. They're going to do whatever it takes. You got to not give them the opportunity. And I think that's something that, um, 
in the past, this would bother me as a, about a Virginia team. But this team, I mean, I just think they're going to go out there, do their job, and, and, and just do exactly what they did to Pitt. Lean on you, lean on you till you break. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I think they just need to make the plays that are in front of them, really. Like, um, I, you're right, though. I mean, of course, they're going to throw everything at them, just like every FCS team does when they play at Power 5. Um, I wouldn't expect any different, especially considering, like, you know, all you guys, you just mentioned all the ties between the schools, and that's all good. Uh, Dave kind of hit on something. Their offense is very interesting. Um, I, I've done a lot of as much watching and, and YouTube stuff as I can. Uh, he was at Howard, the offensive coordinator, um, with Mike. And, uh, yeah, it seems like they're going to – I mean, what they do is it's kind of like a spread-to-run sort of thing. Um, they threw more last year because their quarterback was good, Cam Newton's brother, actually, at Howard. Um, but this year it seems like they have a true freshman quarterback that got a lot of the reps on Saturday against Lafayette. Um, and he went six for 13, uh, but ran a lot. I think he had like 129 rushing yards. So, uh, it seems like they're going to probably try to keep the ball in his hands and, and keep the ball moving. And, and UVA is going to have to be ready to, to defend a, a dual threat quarterback. They also do some interesting formational stuff where they'll have like a bunch of different running backs in the backfield. Um, you know, sometimes lined up on the same side of the quarterback. Um, and they'll run a lot of different run actions off of that stuff, but, uh, UVA has some clear advantages from what I can tell. Uh, the lines, they're going to dominate on the lines, barring something unforeseen. Uh, even against Lafayette, who's a pretty small FCS school, uh, it didn't look like William and Mary was really blocking them that well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that UVA should be able to, to – if they dial up any of these exotic blitzes that Pitt saw last weekend, then this quarterback is probably – Hollis Mathis is his name – is probably going to be under duress quite a bit. Um they, they, they have, you know, some okay running backs, not a lot of wide receiver. Um, on defense, they look pretty small, but they have a pretty good secondary. UVA should be able to run the ball. Um, I don't see any problems there. Uh, William & Mary won their opener, and, and that's great. Um, if you dig a little deeper, you'll realize that, like UVA, they had a bunch of short drives. Um, so, like, uh, Lafayette fumbled three times in a row in the third quarter, and that's kind of when they broke loose. But, uh, I mean, they are at best a middle-of-the-road FCS opponent. They're not what Richmond was a few years ago when they came in with Kyle Aletta and f- uh, future Cavalier uh, Dejan Brissett. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that you just make the plays that are there to be made and, you know, control the ball, and I think this one will be out of hand by halftime. Dave, in the preseason, which was like the other day, <laughs> <laughs> you had Virginia winning this fifty-two to seventeen with a ninety-nine point two percentage. Uh, uh, I don't remember the point two, but that's yeah, good. Yeah, uh, I would say you now. Uh, we're gonna do the head somehow more two. more pessimistic than the numbers than <laughs> the computer numbers. Yeah, I mean, honestly, after watching the defense and and getting a chance to watch a little more William Mary in the past couple of days, you know, assuming that's kind of the same thing Justin was talking about watching a little Howard. I think we. I think the way William Mary plays, you pretty much just pull out your Georgia Tech defensive plan, um, even though they're going to throw maybe a little more often. Except Paul Johnson seemed to like to throw it against us for some reason. Um, so yeah, I think you'll see Virginia a lot of two down linemen look, baiting the linebackers on the field, and they got a lot of those guys. I, I'm a little, I'm a little apprehensive about going 52 because of what you're talking about. I saw an interview earlier. I can't remember if it was Damon Dillman or someone. And, interviewed Eli and Richard and you know those guys are very thankful 
for uh, Mike London, get him a chance to come to Virginia. Um, but those guys probably won't be on the field. That's yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm um, thinking. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is a classic. Like get your freshman on the field. Let this be one of their yeah. one. So my, my guess is Virginia gets out to a comfortable lead and then they start running the ball, which is where, what I think they end up scoring on. Because what do you if you're running running back four as Mike Hollins, he's still pretty good. Right. Um, so I'm gonna stick 52, but I'm gonna give we we marry a little less scoring. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go 52-10 Virginia in this one. And I think the headline's going to be um, Virginia rushes for 300 yards and <laughs> when it gets way with Mary. Okay. Ferber in the preseason, which, again, was like a week ago, you had it 55-13 to 13 with a 95% win probability for the Hoos. Um, you usually like to stick with your picks. I'm guessing you're going to stay roughly with that. Yeah. I mean, 55 seems high. Um, well, I mean, I usually pop in your DeLorean do and go argue with yourself, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll stick with it just for the fact that I don't have a big reason to change it. I do think that William and Mary will have a few offensive plays that will be head scratchers where it's like, what? They just had like a 38 yard gain on like some weird option play or something. Um, but I can't see them sustaining that over the course of the game. And I think UVA just has too many athletes for them on both sides of the ball, especially on offense. I don't I don't think their defense is going to be able to stop UVA very much. Um, UVA could probably call a pretty conservative game plan, and they should be able to move the ball um, pretty effectively. I don't know what they're going to be able to do to contain Perkins. UVA might not put a lot on his shoulders. Um, but, yeah, I think that – I think that they'll be able to, you know, kind of just grind the game out and, and win comfortably. I don't I don't think they'll probably they'll probably won't get to fifty five. It'll probably be more like forty five to ten or something like that. Um, but for the record, I'll just keep the prediction because why not? Uh, headline, I'll say I was gonna do something with the running backs, but Dave stole that one. Um, <laughs> I'll say that there's a kick return touchdown for UVA early Ooh. in the game that propels them to the win. Um I've got Virginia winning this 45 to 10 with a 99% win probability in the preseason. I, I think I'm going to stick with 45 to 10. I, I think my headline would be, it's going to be something. Every headline is going to be London related. Y'all know how this works. I mean, won't mine won't be cause I'm not like weird like that, but every other one will be like that, you know, um, bittersweet homecoming or something like that. But the act of the game itself, I think it's going to be Wayne Talapapa. And I'm, I realize that that's two weeks in a row that I've ridden, um, his his train here but i just i i I just think that maybe i'm reading too much into it and and you know what i'm an intense dude and sometimes that happens but man i just feel like there's something to bronco talking him talking him up like that and i I think dave's point about you know they're gonna get up and then they're gonna run the ball i mean i imagine several dudes are gonna get a bunch of carries i think you're gonna see a lot of brendan armstrong in this game um and um I just think they're gonna they're gonna have a lot of success on the ground because that's gonna be the the thing that they um, this is gonna be the game where they they really want to um, flex that and I mean maybe shorten it a little bit too. Um, now, as part of this experience, hey, I want to I want to amend I want to amend my headline a little bit because you're right about the London thing. So let's change mine to call the police, comma Virginia runs wow. for over 300 yards. Wow. <laughs> well, it's, well, the title of this episode is already "Who Do You Play For?" So um, you know, because you know, we just got to cater to the fans. Um, speaking of the experience, which is Dave is very salty about the parking tailgating situation. There will be several enhancements to Scott Stadium's game experience for fans. Um, not that 
Did you just read that straight from the press? No, I no, I didn't. I'm literally just I'm I'm literally <laughs> staring at, at at a at a screen at my my monitor, which is off right now. Um, no, I didn't. I, is that trying to decide how much longer he wants to talk? No, I just was trying to think of like if I needed any more <laughs> description as a you know chief summarizer in chief. Um, I like what they do, what they did. The only thing I don't like is that they're is that the uh, they made a change at the PA announcer spot, and they're bringing the dude the JPJ guy over. Which hey, I got no problem with the JPJ guy. Got no problem with him. Scott Stadium, dude, man, Micah Kaiser. Like, what am I supposed to do? How am I going to go to Scott Stadium and watch a game and not hear him? I don't know what to do, man. I'm distraught. Somebody taught me taught me off the ledge. I mean, all you, you got your well, beer I, and, and your wine and such. Um, <laughs> I, I can't talk you off the ledge with the announcer because I haven't heard him in ten years sitting in the end zone. So honestly, we don't really hear him that well either. But I mean, because there's like a different guy in the press box that's you know giving us stats that that Brad disputes in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's the thirty-four, not the thirty-five. <laughs> And usually, honestly, he's right. Thank it's you. Just, if you go throw me under the bus, at least make sure that everybody knows before I before I was decapitated, I was well, correct. In, in in defense of the guy, he usually whoever it is, I don't even know. Um, the, he usually corrects it. If he's you wrong. ever wondered if like some of these people that we talk about, like what if the JPJ guy and the and the Scott Stadium PA guy are both listeners of the podcast, and anytime we talk about them, like in the past, it's always been vaguely positive, right? But now, you know, we're kind of talking. Like, what if that guy who yeah. does the thing in the press box is also listening to the podcast? I, I love the JBJ guy. He's good. Yeah, he's I have no good. problem with it. I, I just hope that the Scott Stadium guy is enjoying right. a nice retirement. So wait, pause. All right, Ferber, give me your best JPJ guy impression. Um, of hold on, wait a minute. I, I can't really do the impression as well. Bryce Perkins um, for a gain of five yards. All right, give it. It's to me. gonna be like Bryce Perkins. <laughs> I don't know. See, basketball is different though because like it's after a made basket. It's not like a complete sentence. You know what I mean? And you got to well, squeeze it in. It's fast, also like yeah. the clock yeah. will be reset to 34 seconds. You know, like yeah. it's it. But there are lots of things that are different because you'll have to say, um, you know, obviously the 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 outcome of the play offensively and then defensively who was on it. Um, but when he but imagine when he goes, it's third down. Like that's gonna be something, buddy. <laughs> that's gonna be something. That's gonna be some. Uh, Ty Jerome, like that. That's gonna be a good one. That's gonna be a good one. All right. Maybe here. that's what he'll do. Maybe that's something get some more fans to come. He'll just yell out names of basketball players. No, but it'd be like third. <laughs> the third down is gonna is gonna roll. Um, let's see what else. Uh, so rest I mean, in peace, overall, adventures. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rest in peace, yeah. adventures, oh, cab man. Um, they're gonna be pyrotechnics and flamethrowers which I am always down for, except for the ACC tournament when it literally feels like it's going to send your eyebrows off. Um, I like how they're like, think of the kids. No more cabman. Like, kids don't like fire. <laughs> kids aren't going to love that fact that there's going to be fireworks, you know? Um, they're going to have – so the timeout clock, I did not realize this at the time of the release, but the timeout clock that is on the field with the red hat is at yeah. every stadium. It's an ACC rule. Oh, my gosh. Fellas, it's a game, it is a game changer. Hashtag game changer. Like I've seen some pictures of it. It is cool. now. It, I got a little salty in Pittsburgh. Not gonna lie, because homeboy was like turning the thing sideways, and I couldn't quite see what the clock said. And I was like, 
dude, what the hell's the point of you if you're not gonna like you know move it a little bit every once in a while yeah. so people can also you know, how pissed is that guy? Now he's right, yeah, he used to just have to stand there and, like, and then and then he would do like the let's go motion to the ref as that they were coming back and then he'd like point over to him all cool and then he'd get his uh his, his cords off the field. Now he's got to hold this. Wait, stick. is it just one guy or is it? Two yeah, guys? no, no, it's him. I thought there was supposed to be a person with him, but at Pitt it was this it's not dude. just orange glove guy. No, nah, that's <laughs> no, a no, one man job. No, no, no. This dude is standing there with a with a stick with a with a with a thing on the top, and apparently the company that makes these clocks fo- uh, like must be searching themselves on Twitter because they some said something to me on the other day like yeah we're really glad to be you know in this partnership and I was like oh, <laughs> wow, but the timeout clock I love. Um, what else has changed? Um, Beer. The water is going to be or concessions are going to be somewhat. Water's cheaper. cheaper. Free water stations. Um. Something yeah. about live bands outside the stadium or something. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like the there'd be live bands where they used to have the like right there in front of the aquatic fitness center where they had that. I, I don't know if the truck will still be there. Yeah, but they'll have a lot. They've had. There. I feel like they've had music there before at some point. They have. There's it's been that. They've long. done their radio show from there before. Yeah, right. Exactly. Where the bell tower. Oh thing yeah, is. right, right. I think they yeah. still do. Yeah, but I think now that's where the live band's going to be. There's um, also a thing where you could like check bags. So if you oh, have yeah. a bag, yeah, you can do that. That's not. Yeah, yeah a lot of stadiums. So a lot of stadiums now have these lockers where you can just like put your stuff in a locker, like you would at a water park or whatever. So that's a pretty smart thing to do. I wonder if that's inside the gate, so I can just bring my bourbon and leave it in there. I'm just, mess- <laughs> just messing with you, Scott. Stadium. Yeah, you just got flagged in security, <laughs> bro. No, uh, I heard. I have heard they put in a lot more cameras just for for all of y'all listening. Oh, I've got, I've got a source who said the cameras have increased. Person. Every single person's reaction to the beer thing has been either "Why is it only in beer gardens?" or "I don't care. I bring my own stuff." That's anyway. right. I, my favorite reaction to the beer gardens, and if this is one of you guys or anyone listening, I apologize. My favorite reaction is going to keep people from watching the game. No, the people who really want to watch football have been in that stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the casual fan hasn't been driving to Charlottesville the last six years. You know, ten years, whatever it has been. True. Um, and if people want to like buy a ticket, come in and drink in the beer garden and not watch the game, like you said, those people weren't going anyway. So that's just free money. Yeah, that's free money. That's and right. then, you know, right. beer is almost a hundred percent profit margin. So you know, your only cost is how much it, you know, the cup costs you essentially. Um, and I'm fine with it. I mean, I think I, I would honestly, I would have preferred the beer garden been at the top of the hill and they just moved some and created a kid section somewhere else in the stadium for for families, but. My guess is because it was so late in the game to approve it, they didn't want to make a big change like that. I'd, I'd be shocked to not see beer become a bigger thing. And if you go look at the research, like alcohol-related incidents decrease when you sell when you sell beer because there's more people there enforcing it. There's more money coming from it. Hmm. They don't want to lose their ABC license, hmm. so they're they're really yeah. they're really you. you know. So I mean, I was at the, I've been in multiple college football games with alcohol sales and it's never been an issue like no i, I mean, mean i, I think... went to the bristol game and it was like the lines are really long for beer but there was no issue with it like there yeah. were no it just felt like an nfl game or any other game where you can drink yeah I mean, it makes common sense and as someone who may or may not have snuck alcohol into a game in the past um, much much many yeah, years could, ago go ahead go ahead and edit that out but but the way <laughs> no but the, the way that works if you think about it though i mean if you're sneaking alcohol into a game you're not going to like pour a normal drink right you're going to pour a stupid drink and throw the bottle away um which is how you get in trouble um so yeah look i understand that one beer around your kids and that that'll be another issue for another day but look anything that's going to bring revenue to the program is good for me 
Um, sound system A plus as far as I'm concerned. If, well, you if you heard, had one, if you haven't heard it yet though. No, I mean, look, it cannot be worse. It, <laughs> oh, it can the be fact, worse. Sounds, well, the fact that they even acknowledged it is just start. Like yeah, <laughs> that is something year, that a lot of people complain about. True. I mean, every, we talk about beer a lot, but that's something that people complain about quite a bit. I may have been complaining about that the entire lifespan of the of the podcast. So I'm glad Carla finally got on it. Um, look, you, Cavman. Yeah, rest in peace. Look, like, uh, that was one of those things where I was like, I didn't even pay attention to that when the release came out, and then I saw people freaking out about it. Well, I, mean, I guess if you come to the game like once every two years, like you want to see Cavman, right? Well, here's the thing. There was a <laughs> look. Look, right, let me let me reel here for a hot second. There was a time. Before computer graphics and such were had taken such a step forward, the Cavman was actually pretty cool, right? Yes, hundred percent. And then that, then that time, that that the, that the, time passed. The, the space between like how cool it was to like what you could do like with your phone quickly oh, yeah. closed, and then your yeah. phone. Also, it's not as funny when you lose all the games. That's like, true. Yeah, yes, yeah. It, it, we're it, gonna put the, we're gonna put the turkey in the oven again for the yeah. tenth straight time and, and still lose. The turkey's done. Get it out. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's just because the novelty wears off, especially like Dave said, when you see it multiple yes. times a year. I, I did. I did enjoy it when they had like a guest. Like the one time George Russell threw his yeah. head at the thing was amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had like Chris Candy threw his crutches down that one time when he was hurt. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, like that. But kind I mean, of... yeah. But like, that's... it's time to it's time to start something new. Yeah, like, and I know? think I think the one thing we have to be mindful of here is that, like, let's be real. All hype videos if you lose, are dumb, right? Like, if you counted down a minute, right, and you had a bunch of, like, images of, like, dudes in locker rooms, you know, pushing weight and throwing plates around and stuff and, like, getting hype and there's dudes wearing chains and stuff. If you are if you are two and nine, that looks dumb, yeah. right? I don't care who you are. Yeah, um, Cavman slayed the spider a couple years ago. And honestly, <laughs> like, where are, all these, where are all these people that are here to defend Cavman actually? Like, a lot of people that, even with the the smaller crowds that they've been getting, a lot of those people aren't even in their seats for Cadman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, no, I will tell you, like, you know, our, the section I sit in, I'm, you know, behind the goalpost in, in the end zone for 15 years. Oh, God. Years now people are going to be trying to find you. Yeah. You just ruined your upset, man. I sign autographs, but only during breaks in play. I um, think not <laughs> for the stuff you bring into the stadium reporting. <laughs> no, evidently it doesn't matter because they have cameras there now anyway. Yeah. Um, so just if, you, if I'm in the bathroom, never mind. <laughs> so, um, what I have noticed, though, is like you know, because of the section we're in, it hasn't had a lot of season ticket holders recently. Um, so we'll have a family like roll in every now and then, and they do get excited about Cadman because they haven't been to a game in four years, and that's no offense to them. Like I'm glad they're there for that game. Um, but you're right. Like, I mean, I assume you guys went to Scott Stadium before the jumbotron was put in. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe like once or twice, but I remember times where there was no Cadman. Like, like I-, I can tell you vividly i remember going to the my first virginia game which is 1984 against wake Forest, so probably predates both of you guys um so i was 10 years old right and they had the regular scoreboard yeah yeah (laughs) al Groh was the coach of wake Forest. um but they had the scoreboard that when you threw a long pass could have the lights that lit up that made it look like the football was flying through the air yes yes and to me that was amazing. Yes, I remember. So, like, oh, I so agree. when they first put the jumbotron in and they brought out Cavman, it was the best thing I've ever seen. But right. like, but times change, bro. <laughs> yeah, and like they can do something. There's going to be something cool that happens, and the dude's still running out on the horse, and now he's going to have fire shooting around him. And 
Let's just hope and the team has a chance to win. So I'll take it. Um, yeah. Also, I, it's I not no like what, it's like who also like this, who has, I mean, uh, Dave, you're probably one of the exceptions to the rule, but like, I, I there hasn't been a lot of things that have happened in the cabman era that we're going to, you know, like bounce our grandkids on our knee and tell them about, like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, like, yeah. it's time to move on to the. It's nothing against cat and the people yes, that created. I, I, I mean, they do a great no, job. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should. Say oh, that's the other thing. Not to not to beleaguer beleaguer this point, but I did mention it. I think in our text thread was, as someone who sits in that section, who often is inundated with visiting fans when we play a good team. Cavman is a laughing stock. Right. Like they laughed their rear ends off at how ridiculous it was. Because it was literally 15 years old, you know, um, and you know it's 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 cartoon action. Like it, it, it's it is what it is, right? If you want to be upset about it, fine. And like I've said before, like I'd be okay with them leaving Cavman as like a signal they play it in, and when halftime's about to end, so all you guys can yeah. get your butts back to your or seats. Or just like at the end of a fine. during commercial breaks, have the Cavman like do ads yeah. or whatever. I don't. Or know. maybe at the end of like, a victory, Cavman comes out and finishes the guy off. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, whatever. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, yeah, if, if it was used in that way, it wouldn't be a joke. But when you use yeah. it as like your primary hype thing, it's it's a joke. All right, pause. Yeah. Two things. One, if you if you're somebody out there who loves Cavman, we're sorry. We don't mean to. You know, we're sorry that, that one of your favorite. I'm like, I'm sorry. I I don't. I, I genuinely don't mean to be mean to people who like Cavman. I just no, think it, it's no. time, and that's okay. Um. Secondly, I think it's really funny that if we if we go back and clock this, we just spent more time talking about. Scott Stadium enhancements than we did actually talking about William Mary. And I don't know if if they if they somehow managed to lose this hundred percent game that whatever they're supposed to we we it's all our fault. We did that. Um, well if they do it, they can bring, one they, they can bring Cabman back. If they lose this game with no Cabman, they yeah, can bring that's the thing. Um, if they do, they'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> there'll there'll yeah. be a petition. And we'll fill out we'll sell out the stadium again, because that's why we haven't been selling it. <laughs> yeah. Um Anything else for the good order before we wrap up? You guys good? You're good? Okay, good. I think that's it. All right. I hope they get White Claw so Justin can come. Uh, nah, that's... Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. There's not much to talk about, really. I, I had a White Claw at halftime because I wanted a nice, refreshing beverage. And then and then they immediately went down and scored and then got a pick. And so, I said, well, I guess, I guess they're stuck now. Yeah. If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. Give us a rating review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people, and I very much appreciate that. If you are someone who found the pod but has not given us a look at the site yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now you can check out, let's see, um, the 321 following Monday's presser. Uh, Ferber's uh, 5 to Watch on William Mary was out yesterday afternoon. Um, as we record today, uh, we dropped the first uh, PFF grades, which we talked about earlier, um, give you the top offensive defensive players. Um, and then lastly, uh, I got a feature up on Nick Grant, um, what went into him winning the cornerback job. Um, and I thought it was interesting, too. He talked a little bit about the transformation of UVA football up, you know, what it was like to see it sort of up close, which I thought was interesting. Um, if you have not already, check out that Fanatics link that's in your podcast app of choice right now or in the content item uh, for this very program and if you hit that link it doesn't matter if it's uva gear or not but anything you purchase uh at fanatics uh if you use that link to get there uh, it goes to support the site so definitely do that uh if you need all your tailgating stuff get ready um maybe you're not going friday night um, or you just rush shipping i don't know um again i want to thank thorium wealth for sponsoring the um the podcast and the website throughout football season again you can visit them at thoriumwealth.com 
or, or click, the, click the link that's inside your podcast app right now. And again, my thanks to Second String Sports for their support as well. All right, I think that about wraps it up. Thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate it. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.